if you went to your staff today and said, you know what, uh, this week I'm thinking, or this week, this year, I'm thinking that we should really consider going paperless. Who would like to pilot this project? Or, you know, maybe you're just like super crazy ruckus maker and go building wide. Although I would not suggest that pilots are more effective for a reason. But imagine doing that today. What would be the friction that you might experience with your staff, especially if there's uh, veteran members of the staff? And now imagine pitching that idea of going paperless building wide over a decade ago. And that is where we're going to start today's podcast with my guest, Christine Voigt. Hey, it's Daniel, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after these messages from our show sponsors. Take the next step in your professional development with Harvard Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education School faculty while you collaborate with a global network of fellow school leaders. Apply now for our cohorts at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash Harvard. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash Harvard. Better Leaders, Better Schools is brought to you by school leaders like Principal Gutierrez using TeachFX. Special populations benefit the most from verbally engaging in class, but get far fewer opportunities to do so than their peers, especially in virtual classes. TeachFX measures verbal engagement automatically in virtual or in-person classes to help schools and teachers address these issues of equity during covid Learn more and get a special offer from Better Leaders, Better Schools listeners at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. Well, hey there, Ruckus Makers. Today, I am joined by Christine Voigt, a secondary educator and award-winning author from Dallas, Texas. Her background is in English, geography, and life sciences, and her specialty is infusing technology across the curriculum. She currently serves as the Director of Curriculum and Instructional Technology at Bishop Dunn Catholic School. She has been recognized at the state and national levels for her contribution to geographic education and has received multiple honors for the books Mapping Our World, GIS and Education, and the Our World book series. She holds a Master of Education degree in Educational Leadership from Southern Methodist University and a Master of Science in Computer Education and Cognitive Systems from the University of North Texas. Christine, welcome to the show. Thank you, Danny. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So uh, we have a really fun story to open up with. It's the dream that started it all. How can we go paperless? Yes, yes, that's very true. So we decided uh, several years ago that we want to figure out how can we do things without so much paper. And uh, 
one of the things we thought, okay, let's let's try out ebooks. So we started off uh, with that. And uh, in order for kids to be able to use ebooks, they have to be able to have a computer. Um, so uh, when we first started, we actually used iPods back in the day when iPods had like the little bitty screen, not whenever we have something that looks more like an iPhone today. <laughs> and uh, that was kind of the, the way we could get an inexpensive technology um, at the time for all of our kids in, in each of their hands. And so the teachers were recording podcasts so the kids can review things at home. And then uh, we said, okay, next step is going to be ebooks. And in order to do that, they needed to have a full laptop to be able to take advantage of that. Again, this was back in the day whenever you could have a phone with apps and everything on it. So we have evolved quite a bit from there. And those first ebooks were really pretty much glorified PDFs, but that was the first step. And uh, we had a, a bring your own device uh, model. So all the kids brought in their own laptops, whatever it could be. Uh, some of them were passed down from, you know, who knows. Where. <laughs> uh, so they, we didn't want to make it where it would be um, pivoted to our kids um, because they come from all different kinds of backgrounds. Right. And so we, we didn't want to make it cost be a barrier for them. So um, it could be something that was, you know, five, six years old. It could have been something that was brand new. But as long as they could get to the internet, uh, we set up the whole building with the Wi-Fi. And again, this was back when it was brand new. So it's been a while. That's what started us on the journey of really incorporating technology in the classroom every day. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, you have students that come from uh, all sorts of uh, backgrounds and experiences. And as this plan has evolved, I'm just curious, you know, what, what you've done um, school-wide, like what I heard, just to reflect back, you know, students can bring back older devices to the school, that's fine, or brand spanking new, you know, whatever the flashiest technology is. But is there anything else the school might do when uh, students are, let's say, economically, you know, disadvantaged and could use some support around that? Yeah, so what we did was um, we try to have as much things available. And again, um, as technology changed and updated and became more and more accessible, that made it much more more easy um, for our families. We also do quite a bit of grant writing yeah. to help, uh, you know, provide for those that that are in need. And we've, you know, it's been it's been successful with with the, all the kids having access to something. Again, it's not always you know something brand speaking new, but um, as long as they can can hit the internet, they've been able to go and take advantage of of the different resources that we have available. Yeah, nice. So when, when you're bringing that idea, I don't know if, if you want to bring us all the way back to uh, when you started this or even to, to modern day when you're doing a lot of stuff with integrated tech and um, uh, going paperless. Uh, but I'm just curious how, how the staff reacted and how you got them to also own this vision, because that's quite a shift, right? So, yes. yeah, what, what worked for you? So, so what worked best for us was we, you know, started with those that were the innovators. So it's like, okay, hey, here's this crazy idea. We want to try to go and use ebooks and not use textbooks. Propose the idea. If you're interested, let me know. So I actually had some of my world language uh, faculty members who said, okay, we'll give this a try. And so they started off by using it just in their classrooms as a teacher. So we got some, uh, as part of that pilot program, 
they really just had like a teacher ebook account and they showed it to the kids. They got their opinions. What do you think? How does this, you know, will this work for you? And after, you know, trying that out for a few months, one semester, they're like, okay, yeah, we, we want to continue on. And so then we took the next step. And so that was the first class to, to adopt uh, using an, an ebook in the classroom. And uh, then we just grew from there. More and more became available. And then it's like, okay, everyone, we tried to had a teacher in each subject area try it out, find out again, what is best. We wanted not the technology to drive the curriculum, but we wanted what was best to teach the kids. So we wanted the curriculum to drive the technology. Yeah. So a lot of times people are like, oh, we have to go and incorporate all this tech stuff. But it's not really about the technology. It's about what is best for teaching and learning. And so that's what I want them to look at it like. Look at it like you're adopting a book because you are. You're adopting curriculum materials for your classroom. And if there's not one that is a traditional by a traditional publisher, then find what is the best tool to meet the needs of your students and meet your needs as a teacher to uh, conduct instruction in your classroom. And that's yeah. what was the driving force behind it. I think because it was done from that approach rather than we have to use technology or we have to do paperless. It was mm-hmm. really more what's going to be best for instruction. And what's going to be preparing our kids for the future? Nowadays, we're, we're incorporating a lot more, especially with uh, last year, we had kind of a hybrid situation. But um, so in the, we had to go. And because we were paperless, it was very easy for us to make that kind of shift through all these different uh, changing times. And as our kids go into college, they're prepared because everything is online now mm-hmm. in college you have that's how you communicate with your professors that's how you go and get access to your course materials it's just an expectation now and so i think our kids are really well prepared for those next steps in the college and the career look at how we're doing this interview uh, we're doing it you know through a zoom meeting and so it's it's just a part of every day for work and so it should be a part of every day for education yeah, a couple of quick sh- shout outs to uh, Ruckus Makers that I, I had the pleasure to serve because you, you said, look at how we're recording this. Right. And so, yeah, Zoom. And what's funny is, you know, I've been playing on this platform since 2015, you know, and it was like, ah, I feel almost like, you know, those bands that you love, but they're not quite popular yet. And then uh-huh. they blow up and everybody knows about them. And now it's like almost not as cool to like connect on Zoom. But long story short, uh, two times within the last I would say 60 days. Uh, D-Money, if you're listening, and Patrice, if you're listening, uh, these are both school leaders' principals. They sent me a text because um, with Demetrius, Spotify recommended a podcast I did in 2017, right? And uh, that was the first time I was on the Cult of Pedagogy and with Jennifer, the host, you know, we were talking about masterminds. And at some point in the conversation, I go, yeah, and we um, we connect on Zoom. Have you ever heard of it? Right. And so Demetrius was just reflecting that back to me, like, can you believe, right, how far right. we've come? And same yeah. thing with Patrice, you know, she, it was basically the same conversation, but, uh, you know, just a different individual. So, yeah, it is yeah. it is wild, you know, what what is um uh, available, what you can do. And what I heard from you, you know, in terms of it being collaborative, sort of a bottom up approach, uh, how do we really prepare kids for the future? And the key point that I really want to highlight for the ruckus maker listening is that 
you said, find tools, right, that work for your students and work for you. What a beautiful invitation. You know, that is the way to approach it. And so I just want to, you know, honor your approach because that really works and you see how it's worked. So, Christine, speaking of tech as a tool and, and don't do it just because everybody's doing it. Right. So how do you think about using technology and identifying what works for the student, what works for the teacher or what is meaningful? So it's a lot of times what I have people start with is what is it that you want to do in your classroom? You know, what are you trying to do? What is it? Is it what concept are you trying to teach? How are you approaching it? And then, okay, then I go out and I'll find here's some different tools that can help you with that. And by modeling that, I'm also hoping they model that for the students as well. So then that way it is also, you know, it, there's not one answer to it. It's not like, well, you have to do it this way. There's many different approaches to it um, and find the tools that will be the best. To, to solve that. But also a lot of times people just aren't aware. Hey, did you know there's this available to you? There's these resources available to you. And again, resources don't necessarily have to be a, a technology per se. It could be a way of, of instruction. It could be a methodology. It could be some, some great uh, research that's out there that, that can be used as a tool. So there, there's a lot of different things and it's not necessarily just about the software and the hardware. And that's, that's, that's hard because a lot of times, especially with technology, people always think about the hardware and the software. They think about the stuff just because that's where your brain goes. It's like, oh, your technology. So do you like fix things and install things on computers? It's like, well, if it's needed, but it's really about the instruction. So that's, that's the key point. That's why I'm instructional technology. And I'm also, that's why I'm also curriculum. A lot of people think that's an, an odd combination to be both curriculum mm. and technology. It's like, well, that's the whole reason why we have it as a tool. It's not, you know, it's not just technology for technology's sake. Exactly. I think one thing that I realized about you is um, you have, a, you assert like an integrated approach to leadership Sometimes people get the title and all of a sudden they're trying to separate themselves. And, uh, you know, it just if that works for them, whatever. But Christine, who's the leader, Christine, who's, you know, outside of school is the same person. Right. And I'm just curious, you know, yeah. What, what would you like to share in terms of this idea of integrated leadership? Again, I think the biggest thing is you need to start where people are at. And this is with whether you're working with your colleagues or if you're working with students, you have to start wherever they're at. You can't walk in the door of class as a teacher and say, oh, okay, I expect you, you're a ninth grader. You must be able to go and and write a great essay. You don't know. You don't know where if you've never met them, if you've never set up that relationship, you don't know where they're at. So you have to find out where they're starting at. Same thing with teachers as, a, as an instructional leader. You have to know where are they coming from? What are the things that they're most comfortable with? What are their challenges? What can you help them to grow? How can they help you grow as an individual as well? I, I think that's that's all important. It's, it's building those relationships and having an understanding of where people are at so you can help them to move forward. And then what can you learn as well? Sure. It's always a two-way street. 
always two-way street. I, I think people can uh, make some assumptions based on our conversation, but you're obviously, you know, a ruckus maker and an innovator making change happen in education. And you started going paperless way before it was cool, right? You were a pioneer in that space for sure. And I just want to open up um, and spend some time. If you have anything to add, because uh, your, your lens, the way you view education is uh, unique to you, right? And what might you offer the listener when uh, a lot of times they might look at school through the typical constraints, right? In terms of uh, eight period class day or eight to 3 PM desks way back when, you know, typewriters, but you know, you use different constraints and think about it a little bit differently. Anything else you'd like to add to that? I think always be open to learn. Um, there's mm-hmm. always something new that's out there. It's funny because as you know, we're getting ready for the school year as like I always go through and I have like all uh, I started ebook folders from whenever we really first started. <laughs> yeah, the first year I started to document across the board was 2010, 2011. Wow. So uh, it's been over 10 years since we've been doing this. So, yeah, it was way back before it was even cool because before even people yeah. knew what it was. So. It's it kind of it's it's weird. That's what's so bizarre about technology. It's like it becomes so integrated in what we do every day that we stop thinking about it. But yet, back in the day, it was just such a new thing and so out of the box and strange. And I think that's what gets hard is as you get more comfortable with it, as it becomes every day, it's like okay, how do we keep pushing those boundaries? How do we keep learning? How do we keep growing? What other opportunities are out there and available that we might be missing? Uh, and how do we, we keep moving forward? Mm-hmm. It, it goes by so fast in a blink of an eye, right? So 10, yeah. you know, 10, 11 years uh, with what you've been doing and how you've been innovating. And this show is releasing, you know, in September. And this September 2021 is uh, our six-year anniversary of starting this podcast. And That's I feel great. like I... I yeah, but I feel like I just started it. <laughs> but six <laughs> years is like kind of a, you know, it's a little bit of time, you That's know, that awesome. you've invested. So <laughs> it's just just amazing. All right. Well, um, we're going to pause here just for a very short break to get in a message from our sponsors. When we come back, I want to talk to you about authentic learning. Take the next step in your professional development with Harvard's online certificate in school management and leadership. Learn from Harvard faculty without leaving your home. Grow your network with fellow school leaders from around the world as you collaborate in case studies of leaders in education and business. Apply now for our cohorts at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash Harvard. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash Harvard. Are you automatically tracking online student participation data during COVID? Innovative school leaders across the country have started tracking online student participation using TeachFX because it's one of the most powerful ways to improve student outcomes during COVID, especially for English learners and students of color. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, 
Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. All right, and we're back with Christine Voigt, a secondary educator and award-winning author from Dallas, Texas. So, uh, Christine, let's talk about authentic learning and first, just how, how would you how would you define that? I would define authentic learning as anything that is it's real. It ties back into what is going on in the world. Um, you can't look at things just within a box. You have to really look and see. Well, why why are we learning this? Why do we study this? Why does it matter? And how does it impact our community? So I think taking those next steps out, it's like, okay, here we're learning the content and the information, and here's how we apply it, and this is what gives it meaning. This is why we bother doing it. Because if we can't answer that question for the kids, then they're like, well, why, why are we doing this? Is it just because? Nothing in life is just because. It has to be real. It has to be authentic. Right, right. And uh, we were talking about tech as a tool earlier, and obviously we talked a lot about going paperless. I know that you have piloted uh, this this um, this app, which is awesome. Also a sponsor of the podcast with TeachFX, which I think really helps students own their classroom experience. Uh, but you know, I'm biased, you know, for sure. You have used it. You see the fruit of what TeachFX has produced in your classrooms, and just from from a leader, from a user standpoint. What's that experience been like? So it's like we did with other things. We piloted it with, you know, a few teachers and then we had some departments try it. And again, uh, having the opportunity starting small and then having those conversations. And it wasn't just about the tool. So the tool helped the teachers to realize, okay, this I am. I'm, I'm controlling a lot of the conversation that's going on in the classroom as opposed to the kids, even when you think, oh, no, I'm, I'm awesome. I'm great. I can go. I, I got, we have great discussions. And you realize after you look at some of the reports, you're like, wow, I really talked a lot more than I realized. So just having that completely objective third party, you know, it is, it is the software. It's just recording what's going on. It's not doing anything but recording and then analyzing that data. It turns that conversation into data. And then whenever you have data like that, you can go and you can make, um, get a better picture of what's going on. And you can also see, are there certain kids having, you know, more control of the conversation than others? Are you always, you know, calling on, are are the kids driving conversation? Are you driving conversation? Are you calling on the kids or are they asking questions? Are they, uh, being, helping with that, um, driving that conversation forward. Um, so I think that's some of the things that were, were eye-opening, but not just that. It wasn't just, again, it's not just about the technology. It was also the professional development that was a part of it. Um, so TeachFX has just done an outstanding job of really helping us understand what, how to create an environment in your classroom that drives student engagement and student discussion and, and given a lot of insight into that. So what started off with something small um, helped us to grow. And then what we we're doing this year, what we're going to start to do is something that's very defined by different departments because different departments have different needs and, 
and the content that they're trying to get across, you know, some things within like uh, the humanities, things like social studies and English, you can have some great dialogue around literature. But then when you get into math, how do you have a dialogue around a math problem? What does that look like? That looks different than if you're discussing a work of literature. So my background obviously is, you know, with, you know, English and literature, but also even life sciences, you can have more discussions around the environment and things like that. But it's harder to have. I I can't, it's even for me, wrap my head around, well, how do you discuss, you know, integers, (laughs) (laughs) insert math equation. So it's, it's more of a a challenge on how, how do you construct that? So, We want to make sure it's something that's relevant. So just like we say, when we want learning to be authentic for our kids, it has to be authentic for us as educators so we can do something that applies directly to our classroom and what is unique about that. Yeah, that's that's great. I know how effective it was as a tool, but to hear that they really uh, offer a wraparound support and professional development. And I think what you said was uh, teaching your faculty, how do we drive uh, student-owned, student-led, you know, engaging lessons, right? And then just that might be a a paradigm shift that some, you know, educators need to go through. Um, But then this tool, it tells you, because we could all have the best of intentions, you know. I'm going to give all the thinking to the kids, ask awesome questions, get everybody involved. But then if you have an objective, just data report, like, nope, you called on three kids, and you talked 80% of the time, it tells you a different story, right? Right, right, yeah. Yeah. So if you could put on all school marquees around the world one message, Christine, for a single day, what would that message read? I would probably say it's something that we actually have above the entrance to the doors of our, our school. And as you walk in, there's a little plaque above the door. It says, entrance to learn. And as you leave on the other side, it says, go forth to serve. And I think that really embodies the idea that you're, you're coming into a place, you're going to learn, you're going to grow, but you're not just going to keep it all in the building. You're going to go out and you're going to take what you've learned and you're going to do something outside in the world and serve the community and help it to grow and to learn as well. And so that's, that's what I would put. Awesome. And I asked, I love asking this last question to everybody. You're building a school from the ground up, Christine. You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. So how would you build your dream school and what would be your top three priorities? My first priority is there would be no desks. A lot of the times, the things that are, and not just limiting it to desks, but anything that can constrain how a classroom is going to function. Because a lot of times you go in and that's the thing that you're tripping over. It's like, how do we get things where you can have a good conversation? It's hard to do that when you have traditional desks in the room. I mean, and how many workspaces are all where you just have everybody, I guess you could be in an office with a bunch of cubicles, but those kinds of things are going away. And especially after the past year or so, everyone's working from their home. Uh, it looks really different. So how do you, how do we set up the kids for this, the way the world is going to be? It's already, it is now. Um, you have to be able to be good at time management. You have to be able to be uh, functioning in a variety of different situations. But if you're stuck in a desk in a row <laughs> and you can't have conversations or it's just not conducive for conversations, then, you know, it's, it's hard. So that's the first thing. I would not have anything that would, you know, dampen having that kind of natural flow of conversation and work 
in team building. So that's why I say despot. You could insert whatever thing can uh, constrain the way a classroom flows. The next thing I would make sure everyone has access to technology, to the hardware so they can get to the learning. Um, not having access is, is it's criminal at this time, um, especially again, this past year, we saw those, those families that couldn't get access to the internet or to technology that limits, now that limits how far somebody can go in the workforce because if, if you have that opportunity to work from home, that's like, oh, I don't have reliable internet access. That makes, that puts you at a huge disadvantage for, for others, for, for a lot of jobs now. So I think if we want kids to be able to be set up or just in general, we want to make sure that people can have access to technology, not just the hardware, but also to be able to get out, to be able to communicate uh, via different kinds of tools like the internet. And then the third thing, opportunities to go outside the building, whether that be a physical space on a campus that's outdoors. I love outdoor learning or it's actually going out into the community, which is even better. That's what I think is the ultimate thing that needs to be part of everything. A lot of times field trips end after elementary school. And to me, this is when it really should just be beginning uh, and not just your standard kind of field trip, but going out, let's go out, let's do community service. Let's see, is there, is there a, a business that we can help out? Is there a community group that we can go and volunteer for and help serve? How can we apply what we're learning in the classroom to go and, and bring more meaning um, to others. So that's that's important. I think uh, that would be the third thing that would be a requirement of my dream schools that everybody, every class all the time is uh, applying what they learn and serving the community. Christine, thanks for being my guest here on the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. We've covered a lot of ground. So if there was just one thing you wanted a ruckus maker to remember, what would that be? Build relationships with your teams. Um, with your with your kids, with your teams, and 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 listen to see where people are at, and and help them to grow and move forward, and always be open to learning. I know that's more than one thing, but I got it in a in a run on sentence. There you go. I won't tell. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Mm -hmm.